0: <laughs> to me, the central conflict of the film is whether the stepfather more deserved to die because of his biker outfit or the juice cleanse <laughs> that he goes on. <laughs>
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 493 with our review of Thoroughbreds. I'm Christopher Schnasey. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you this week as we are talking about uh, Thoroughbreds. Um... As people may know, uh, Anton Yelchin died tragically a mere 14 days after principal photography finished on this film. So to open up this episode, we thought maybe we would just talk about our favorite uh, roles from Anton Yelchin in the past. I mean, I, 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 he's one of those guys for me that like I always like his presence in a film, um, even if the films aren't always my favorite. But like he just he's like a guy where like, if I give us naming my favorite actors. I would forget to put him on the list, but every time he's there, I'm always glad to have him there.
0: Right, he is, and this is a bone for Carson, like Tracy Letts for me, where (laughs) I go back and I realize, like, oh yeah, I've liked him in a lot of things, but he's never someone that would come to mind if I was like saying good actors that I enjoy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, It is also worth mentioning that I believe we saw him do a live Q and A not much more than 14 days before he he passed away as well so
1: which was really great yeah because when the news came out it was like dude we like just saw him in person like last week like it felt very very close to when it actually happened yeah
0: Um, and that seems a little shallow but it it did make it hit a lot harder like this is such a bewildering tragedy right yeah you you really feel it um So for me, I did the same thing as you scrolling through IMDB to remind myself of what movies he's been in. There were the obvious ones that I already remembered, like I I loved him in Green Room and Only Lovers Left Alive. But the one I really have to go is a deeper cut, and it's a movie called Charlie Bartlett. Um, (laughs) That's basically his Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I don't know if you saw it with Uh -uh. him and Kat Denning and Robert Downey Jr.,
1: uh, but, uh, what, what was the hook of that one? Cause that wasn't the one where he was like selling drugs. That in his, is the one okay. where he's selling drugs. Uh, I remember so, the trailer for it and yeah. I didn't watch it, but like I wanted to see it.
0: Yeah. So that, that is a movie where he is basically like new to the school and he's selling drugs, but not like, you know, Coke or anything. He's selling like Xanax. He, he's selling, uh, depression medicine for like kids with anxiety and kids with issues. And he kind of becomes like the unofficial therapist of the school. Okay. And it's just a... I, I watched it a long time ago. You know, it was it was in the early days of my film watching. But it is a movie. If nothing else, it is carried by his charisma alone. Like he is the only reason to watch that movie, and he he delivers it. So that was the first time on he came on my radar as someone that like can legitimately carry a film and be exciting the whole time.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I was, b- by default, just going to say Green Room <laughs> because I was a huge fan of that. Uh, we saw him in person talking about the film. It just, like, it, it has a heightened level of my appreciation. Um, but uh, but then you, like, as scrolling through the feed, you, as as we were getting ready to record this episode, you brought up Fright Night. And, like, holy shit, Fright Night.
0: <laughs> like, that was one of the first really positive episodes I was on of the spoiler warning, I think, was us gushing over Fright Night. Yeah,
1: which was something that, like... We hadn't, I, I believe we both hadn't seen the original, right? No. And we were like, okay, there, there's this reboot. It's got people in it, this crazy vampire type thing. And I was like, this is this movie's going to be dumb. And we watched it and we're like, this movie is so awesome. <laughs> and uh yeah, I totally forgot about it. And then once again, like here, here it is. There he was. Uh Very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, Anton Yelchin, we miss you. R.I.P. Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, we're going to talk about the, the last film that you were working on. So here we are. We're talking about Thoroughbreds. Uh, we're going to take a listen to the trailer and then we're going to come back and give you guys a review. I'm sending you to boarding school. You're off my payroll, princess.
0: Wow. Wow. You hate him. Everything about just killing him? I think we should do it. Really? Really. Fun. You're going to blackmail me into killing your stepdad?
1: Totally. I believe in you.
0: (sighs) You got a creepy friend. I know. Shelly?
1: You cannot hesitate. The only thing worse than being incompetent or being evil is being indecisive. I feel really good. All right, so that was the trailer for Thoroughbreds. Um, it follows uh, a young rich girl who was recently um, expelled, I guess, or kicked out of her private school that she was going to for um, stuff that you'll find out later in the film. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, she reconnects with sort of like an old friend from years before who has recently had what everybody else perceives to be some sort of breakdown in which she murders a horse. Um, And over the course of those two starting to hang out, they sort of come up with a plan to potentially, if they decide to go through with it, kill the first girl's stepfather. And we're kind of watching them talking about that and uh, maybe attempting to pull it off. (laughs) So, Stephen, what did you think of Thoroughbreds?
0: I think Thoroughbreds is a very particular movie and an excellent movie at being that particular thing. Uh, I really, really like this movie. it I, I overuse this word because I don't always know a good synonym for it, but this is extremely confident filmmaking. Like... The usual touchstones obviously apply. People are comparing this to Heather or American Psycho. I'd compare it to, like, American Beauty, too. It's like a, a satire of the middle class, upper middle class existence, right? And the the way that it can drive people inside it, absolutely insane. But for me, the biggest touchstone was Birdman. Um, this is a really? movie that the the second scene and the first major scene in this film opens in a large house uh, where Amanda is visiting Lily, uh, the girl who is now the stepdaughter of a very wealthy man and she's walking around this room uh, this house in what feels like one take i know it isn't but it has that feeling and the soundtrack has this like percussion and random jolts of interesting noises that make it feel much more exciting than it is while she's just like turning the corner looking in different rooms and examining this uh, this world and it it had that kind of feeling of like a director who knows how to use audio and visual cues to just express whatever tone they want and they there's no rules there's nothing that is like with restricting them if they want a scene to be silent it'll be silent if they want it to be like outrageously loud with a soundtrack that has nothing to do with what's going on at all (laughs) they'll do that and you just feel right away that you are in the hands of a director who really wants to communicate a particular feeling and is going to use whatever tool they have to do it um and yeah i just I I really, really, really enjoyed this. I think the the performances are great. The casting is the main reason this movie works. Um, Olivia Cook from Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, great here as the character of Amanda. I thought it was like a perfect transition from she was kind of like very dry and direct in me and Earl too, but he or she like heightens that to 11, right? That's, yeah. <laughs> it's her whole thing. is just a perfect deadpan, right? That That's what yeah. she does. Uh, I mean, she's a sociopath. <laughs> yeah. My favorite scene in the movie is she's having a conversation with, uh, Lily, Anya, Taylor, Joy, about potentially murdering the stepdad uh, and she's describing what caused her to kill the horse and she's just like saying it while she's carrying these big chess pieces on a lawn like as if it were the most boring conversation in the world to describe how she did this thing and she just nails that it's such a interesting character i don't know what the character means but it's so specific <laughs> and i've never seen anyone do something like that before
1: but steven don't you know that the chessboard is like a metaphor for the individual like moves that she had to make while murdering the sure. horse because yeah. it was all like a progression No, it's
0: methodical <laughs> she, she's being very methodical and she's playing against herself too so yeah, she's yeah. just like This is just a game, and I don't even care who's on either side. I'm just gonna go through the motions to win it. Um, Anya Taylor Joy. I was trying to think of where I had seen her before. It turns out the witch. She's she's one of the daughters in the witch, which makes total sense because she. (laughs) Even even though um, Amanda is like the sociopath in this movie, I would say Lily is the more disturbing character to watch because she's the person who is a quote regular girl who is legitimately plotting the murder of her stepfather um anton yelchin i forgot he was in this movie somehow and so when he showed up i was just so happy to see him he's (laughs) he's just playing the crap out of this like deadbeat drug dealer who thinks he's gonna make it big someday but clearly like has has nothing going for him um i love the side characters too. the stepdad i thought was the most perfectly casting i've seen in so long stepdad in like full biker gear (laughs) deciding to go on a run like I don't think I want to kill him, but I definitely want to punch him in the face. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he, I, I just thought this was a very smart, demented... He's creepy, too, though, yeah. right? Like, No, He he's doesn't creepy. do
1: anything that's technically creepy, yeah. but he has a presence that's like, this guy's creepy. I
0: think the the trailer hinted at creepiness that he didn't portray in the movie. I kind of yeah, remember yeah. the trailer seeming like he was hitting on the girls somehow, which is not what yeah, he's yeah, that, that's sort at of least the directly doing in the movie. Yeah, that,
1: that's the assumption that I was sort of thinking was going to be the case. But, um that not being the case maybe lends more creepiness to the plan the girls are coming up
0: with. Sure, yeah. So I, I just thought this was like a really smart, uh, demented satire of like Rich Truman Show or Stepford wives and living, right? This is about how being in a place like that can drive you insane, uh, the mom character, like in a tanning booth, just ignoring the daughter, or going on this hellish spa date where they're they're staring at each other like the eternal sunshine couple staring over Chinese food. Right? They just like have nothing to talk about at all, yeah. and nobody wants to be there. Uh, and it, it's just teenage angst heightened to a crazy amount. Again, it's a particular movie. I don't know what it's communicating exactly. I don't know why it has to exist, but I just thought it was like deeply black comedy, and I found it. Really, really, really entertaining. So I I like this movie a lot.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I found it incredibly entertaining as well. Uh, It it was it was one of those films like from the get go, you're just invested, you're on board, and you're very unnerved. Um, There just the the sociopath girl. It's like the Mm -hmm. way she nonchalantly talks about anything is is pretty pretty insane. But I I think for me, what what was the most disturbing thing is that this film is sort of Uh, an exercise in showing how a statement made from somebody who doesn't care what they're saying can affect the mindset of a person who cares what they do and it's like it's sort of i don't know if it's a metaphor for society or or what but it's 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 there is something about like watching this girl who doesn't have a dog in the fight kind of incepting another character who. On her own would have never even thought about the actions that she's contemplating now. Mm-hmm. How just like somebody who just it doesn't affect them can affect somebody else. Yeah, for who those actions will affect greatly. Like there is something incredibly disturbing about this. Not that I think that like if I had a sociopath friend they would make me commit murder, but there there's like there like you you see this progression how it happened and and I I don't know there's something. I, I really enjoyed that portrayal of how how things progress in this story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also just in, enjoyed the portrayal of the the sociopath character. I, she's like, just so well done. Yeah, I really yeah, like yeah. her. And, and and even like the way the two girls, as as the the quote unquote normal girl, begins to learn more about the mindset of her friend or old friend, the more she starts to turn like just in her own mindset listening to her talk and like getting curious about like well like she she poses a question to the other girl like partway through the film where it's like well if you have all these problems then like why are you alive Yeah, <laughs> which was just first of all the boss on somebody just like say that to another person it's
0: one of those things you're not supposed to be allowed to ask another person
1: yeah 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 but it's like this is the only person you can ask that to mm-hmm. and it's just Watching them both, like watching them both think and watching them both speak, was was really really interesting. So yeah. I mean, I there, my my literally my only complaint about the film it's not even really a complaint. The only thing I didn't, I was I was confused how we go from the climax of the film to the last shots of the film. Right. Um, and it's not it's not even like I needed how we got there. I was just confused by what that was supposed to mean. Mm-hmm. And it was so it's not really a complaint. It's mostly just like a. Like my, I, I just went, huh? And then the movie was over, and I'm like, I I can't talk to anybody about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what my brain? I don't I don't know what happened. I don't I don't understand it. Um,
0: we can do like a very short yeah. spoiler section, maybe.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'd pro- yeah. probably good. But
0: yeah, I I'm glad you liked it because I wasn't actually sure which way you would go on this movie, just because it is like a fairly demented. <laughs> concept
1: but but it's demented in a um, it's it's not demented in a demented in a four dimension sake right like it it's it's um it's the type of film where like it is trying to it, it it's demented with a point for mm-hmm. something it's trying to say and it's not just like oh here's a weird thing that's happening or you know it's not like the lobster dialogue where people right. are just saying weird things to each other because Everyone's sort of off, and the world we are in is off, and everything is weird. Mm-hmm. This is like a film where it's like this is sort of set in reality, and there are people in very, very specific circumstances that are acting what we would consider we- weird, but they may exist in a normalcy that we just aren't privy to. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think it, it 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 straddles that line between being too weird. And being like really, really, really intriguing.
0: <laughs> yeah. So like a couple, a couple of touchstones for me. So like American Psycho is an obvious one, but I think American Psycho is a psycho is really about taking the idea of a normal seeming person in like the fast paced business world, and having him just be a psychopathic murderer. Yeah, yeah. And this film, this film is definitely disturbing, but it does not try to go for the like shock and gore factor. Like this, this film makes you wait. Very long, maybe forever. I'm not going to spoil the ending. This film yeah. like makes you wait for it, right? This isn't a movie that just wants to tell you that these people are crazy lunatics. Like the girls are otherwise very clever, like very smart, pretty sane. I'm not going to say they're totally rational in the way that they plan <laughs> things, but they definitely function as like two high functioning teenage girls who have a specific plan, some logic behind the plan, and like nothing broader than it going on. So I think I, I appreciated that because it makes it. Not more real, but it feels more like satire, whereas American Psycho, I'm sure it's satire of something, but to me, it's just like so bloodlusty in the way it satirizes it. I don't really, I don't totally get the point of that, the way that this just feels like really sharp, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Another one, did you ever see Strangers on a Train, the Hitchcock movie? I didn't. So the premise of that movie is that two people meet on a plane, meet on a train, and a guy kind of casually mentions how like, he wishes someone would like get rid of his wife, and then the person on the train takes that as, like, a command and murders the wife. And the person is, like, trying to get out of this situation where he's, like, I didn't mean this literally. What are you doing? And it's kind of about the idea of how, like, one notion that you just throw out there could spiral into, like, a giant event that you weren't planning before. Yeah, yeah. Um I think so. I said the chess scene was my favorite, but there's also one featuring Anton Yelchin that I'll call like the Mexican standoff scene that might have been like the most tense scene in the movie. I (laughs) I enjoyed that a lot.
1: It was pretty good.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. This was a very entertaining movie, but I don't feel like there's a whole lot of non spoilery things to to ask Um, about.
1: I think for me, one of the things that was so exciting is. We don't really know who is a character that's important to the plot, mm-hmm. like the 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 main thread, right? So we don't really know what the stepfather's deal is. Yeah. We like randomly get introduced to the mother like partway through the movie in a way that's like, oh, she's just never around and she mm-hmm. doesn't know anything about the stepfather, right? She just lives in his house. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's one of those things where like there are things that get set in motion that involve a bunch of the characters and then you don't know how that resolves and you go another like 30 minutes of the film with no clue of what happened or right. what didn't happen. And it 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 adds this level of dread of not knowing what you're supposed to expect that I think made it, it – it, it functions so well as a thriller because you don't know who is bad and who is good and mm-hmm. who is going to do what to who. And I, I don't know. There, there was – once again, it's hard to explain without spoilers, but I I just – i found it i was drawn in the entire time until it was over <laughs> i was just like the whole time yeah, I was it, like, it does
0: really well with its reveals i think where there are character bits that th- things would be thrown out there and then maybe 30 minutes later or something it would finally elaborate a little bit on what they'd been talking about and this is a movie that just again it just comes down to the confidence like i can't I can't believe uh, Corey Finley the director this is his first movie so he's never directed a film before yeah. and like this has to be one of the most confident debuts I've seen in a long time like it just seems like he's so sure of the pacing of this movie he's willing to make you wait for it he knows that the payoff is going to be high enough and I can't think of many missteps like I think this is like there's very little fat on this movie it really really uses every minute to to good uh use I think my favorite thing which a little bit of spoilers will have to be gone into to go into the extent of it but i think the rowing machine is just a great um <laughs> a great uh tool in this movie like a motif that they go through it's
1: it was used amazingly yeah. like to the point where like i was like coming out with theories for, like what if what if, the, what if it wasn't even actually a rowing machine what if it's just like a sound get back been... to that blog
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it was but yeah. I, I dug it. <laughs> to me, the central conflict of the film is whether the stepfather more deserved to die because of his biker outfit or the juice cleanse that he goes on.
1: <laughs> also, this is not a spoiler because this doesn't play into anything, plot or not, to try to kill a stepfather. But, like, if you knew somebody had a routine where they drank nothing but liquids <laughs> for two weeks out of the month or one week out of the month.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: obvious obvious way to try to kill yeah, them would seem, be it seems like an easy poison the drink
0: easy way to not get caught <laughs> i'm not saying that you should poison the drink of your stepfather if he's a crazy we person. won't <laughs> split that beer we were gonna have after this <laughs> recording
1: i'm just saying I just, it just seems like the obvious solution would be poison the drink mm-hmm. nobody there's never a scene in this film where drink poisoning is ever talked about so that's why I'm saying this is not a spoiler, but just it, like the whole that that was one of those things where I was like, come on, girls, you're <laughs> you're smarter than this.
0: <laughs> All right.
1: <laughs> yeah. So should we uh, should we get to verdicts um, so that we can get to spoilers afterwards? Sure. All right, Stephen Miller, if you're going to give this a must see, recommend with a caveat, wait for rental pass with a caveat, or a must avoid, what would you give it?
0: Give this a must see. Just one of the i wouldn't recommend it to everyone but for me this is one of the best things i've seen this year
1: yeah i'll I'll give it a musty as well i mean it was it was incredibly fun um i mean in that weird dark way but (laughs) but it was pretty awesome um so yeah there you go so yeah if you have already seen the film then cool we're gonna get to spoilers in just a moment after we close out the show for everybody else Go see the movie. Come back and listen to what we had to say. (laughs) But yeah, uh, in the meantime, Stephen, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that?
0: Uh, They can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com.
1: People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash warning, or you can like us at facebook.com slash warning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can use the contact form on our site um, also, we, uh, we are going to try to run a little survey to try to get some information about uh, listeners to the show. We are, uh, we are a very humble podcast out there on the internet. And we have a very short survey, five questions over at the slash survey. Um, there will also be a link in these show notes uh, for this episode that can send you to it. We would just like to know sort of about your listening habits to the show. Um, quick survey. It'll take you like 30 seconds. Links right there in your show notes
0: (laughs) Faster than sawing the head off a horse
1: (laughs) Much, much, especially if you have to go through all that trouble (laughs) Um, But yeah, so music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Thoroughbreds That's playing right now That music is going to fade up And when the music fades out We will be in spoiler territory So don't stick around unless you've seen the film
0: all
1: right so we are back this is spoiler territory it's the after part of our review of thoroughbreds we're talking full-blown spoilers so watch out full-blown spoilers starting now um yeah so there's a couple different things we can talk about in the story um First, like, if we could talk about, like, the chess scene um, and extrapolate upon our liking of that. Sure. Um, one of the things that's great about it is, like, we assume that this girl has just had a crazy breakdown and maybe hated her parents. And mm-hmm. Instead of killing them, just murdered their horse. Um, but actually, it was, like, it was not only methodical in a weird, villainous way. It was a very, um, it was a mercy-driven thing Mercy where killing, it's, like, yeah. yeah, she was, like, the horse had received injuries that were going to eventually kill her. She wanted to kill her, tried to do it the easy way. That didn't work. And she keeps trying to adapt to try to do the next most merciful thing. Mm -hmm. And when people find her, what it looks like is she just eviscerated the shit out of this horse. And I can see it. that would be insane when you see a person with like a knife just covered in blood. Horse just mangled the shit. And then like when it gets to the point where she's trying to like step on the the spine of the horse Mm -hmm. to break it, like it seems like she's totally crazy. But like it was this very thoughtful and, like, merciful thing that she was trying to do for the so, horse. So
0: one question. I forget, what does the opening scene show? I remember her, like, looking the horse in the face. I don't remember what it...
1: Yeah, it's it's basically her going out to do it. Okay. So so it it she's, like, staring blankly into the horse's face. She, like, mm. pats it on the nose or snout. I don't know. <laughs> what does the horse have? I don't know. <laughs> Anyways. I just think you
0: don't look it in the mouth.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that's well, the gift horse. That's... <laughs> uh but uh so she's just looking at she's petting its n- nosal <laughs> shaft sure and then uh it cuts i love to, it when
0: you talk about nozzle shafts
1: it cuts to her removing a knife from a backpack and then the movie starts so okay. it's like we don't see anything other than like oh yeah she gonna kill that horse right um and then we just see her coming into the house of the other girl and that's when we get introduced to like Somebody who's so rich that you can eat eat three chips and then just leave the bag on the table, and before you've exited the room, somebody has snatched that bag ah, and put it away. Such a great
0: little moment. <laughs> that that was that was like a little bit Get Out.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, it, but it's weird too because it, it communicates a level of richness that is that is not just like oh they have a big house and fancy cars and it, whatever. Like mm-hmm. it, there's like this level of to where this the waitstaff. <laughs> for your house react with that level of like quickness and, and there's something about it that like was already like unsettling mm-hmm. it was cool yeah. um so yeah uh do you want me to just like rifle off a few things or do you want to bounce uh, back and forth you, you, you can rifle you okay. can start so uh back to the other thing that I sort of like hinted at was um we so the girls first try to hire anton yelchin and by hire i mean blackmail him to to uh go in and kill the the father they set up a plan put it in motion she goes to the spa so she has like plausible deniability about not it's like a sleepaway spa Mm -hmm. (laughs) she has plausible deniability to not be linked to what's happening it'll just seem like some guy came in tried to break in the stepfather caught him in the living room and boom we know he doesn't die because he shows up surprised the next day at the thing yeah we don't know what happened to anton yelchin we don't know if we chickened out we don't know if the father caught him and like, so I was wondering if like they were gonna find Anton Yelchin dead at some point, mm. and like the father had like interrupted him and killed him, and then it would be like justifying how evil this guy is because he totally just murdered this guy. Like my brain was going so wild. I didn't think of that at you all. You didn't think of that at all. I
0: just assumed Anton Yelchin chickened out.
1: I, my my brain was going wild because I, yeah. I wanted to believe that the father was because the it isn't it isn't until he like forcefully sends her to boarding school or says he's going to that we ever see him doing anything other than creepily drink juice <laughs> and ride his bike, right? So I'm like, there has to be something wrong with this guy, right? Like, right. why does she hate him so much? Um, obviously, she loves living in the house, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, and and having everything that comes with that because she never makes commentary on, like, oh, being rich sucks because of this and nobody really – like, there's no desire for her to feel like a normal person. She wants to be part of this society that she's in. But, like, there was something about, like – I was I was wanting to find there there had to be something very sinister about the father mm. or the stepfather and like I was waiting for the whole movie and it never comes it no just he's not sinister. teases that oh, oh, away forever I mean he
0: seems unloving and it t- to me it it seems like uh, the character doesn't like what the stepfather did to her family like she's traumatized right her, her her father died I think I think they say that and the stepfather kind of swooped in. And since then, the family has become a very uncomfortable place because she doesn't like him. The mom is obsessed with him. She feels that neither parent cares about her anymore. Yeah. And that was the the sense I got. You don't see her longing for her mom, really, but the scene when her mom is in the sun tanning. Yeah, yeah. Like, she,
1: she, she straight up says that, like, he just put a sand, sun tanning bed in the basement yeah. and was like oh you should use this cuz i like my women tan yeah <laughs> and so we know that he's like some form of psychologically abusive to the wife mm. and the daughters obviously going to pick on, up on that living in the house with them
0: we we um, see a pretty abusive argument too when he he's hurt himself bike riding and the mother <laughs> the mother is just trying to dote on him a little and he just unloads on her
1: that's the best thing too where like you just get the shot of her like just loosening up that front so i mean the only problem with that too is like it's a hanging bike so if you it's not like the bike there's something about that that i didn't buy but Mm -hmm. it still made me happy when like you just see her loosening up the front wheel and the smash cut yeah i'm fine i'm fine i'm fine (laughs) it's good times
0: so the actual murder evening is yeah. probably the most interesting one um the play by play of that is amanda is at lily's house they're watching a movie talking about the technique probably doing doing all the usual stuff and uh lily suggests that maybe amanda's life is meaningless like if you can't feel anything why do you even bother living yeah and Amanda seems to contemplate this for a second and then say, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> I've never really thought about it before. Yeah. And
1: it, but it it was even phrased weird. I feel like she almost phrased it like, why would you not kill yourself? Right. Like, cause she, cause yeah. Cause like when she says I've never really thought about it, it wasn't like, oh, I've never thought about the fact that I don't have a happy life. It's like, mm-hmm. I've literally never thought about killing myself. Yeah. Um.
0: Yeah. It, 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 it's definitely something very, very dark and very direct in the way that the well, one thing I love about the movie is the way that Lily over time goes from being this very reserved person who's doing like double speak and trying to be polite and trying to phrase everything very nicely to Amanda to by the end of the movie where she is just directly saying the most brutal shit that you could ever say to another human being. Yeah. You're kind of watching her open up to her friend. Like this is a very oddly a a friendship story, like a story of best friends understanding each other. Um, best friends? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think so. I, I would say the final scene in the film with Amanda smiling at the, at the picture of them on the horses kind of underscores that in her mind this is true. She did one good deed for her friend, and that's what they did. But but, anyway. we, but we've
1: seen her try to mimic smiles from paintings before. Um, so so me to me it's hard to take that as real, mm. genuine reaction as opposed to like once again faking.
0: To to me, there was no reason to fake there. I thought it was a callback to the faking smile scene. But in that moment, in that cell, there's no reason to fake. So I was thinking, like, this is the one thing that has brought her joy ever is that she was able to do this, (laughs) which is not great. But anyway, back to the evening. Um, Lily reveals that she has spiked Amanda's drink uh, with her hypnology. She shouldn't take it. Uh, And then Amanda thinks about it and then chugs it. And this forces Lily's hand. Like, yeah. ba- basically Lily's plan was to go murder her stepdad with a knife, put the knife in Amanda's hands and blame it on her. And that, w- that was going to be the whole the whole thing. And she does that in like a pretty amazing scene where, again, we don't witness the violence or gore. Yeah. We just
1: and we don't know the outcome yeah. until she comes back down the stairs. We all we know is we hear rowing. The rowing stops. We hear the signs of a struggle. Mm -hmm. What sounds like twice almost. like There's almost like a a second wind that comes about where it's like there's a thud, some scurrying, and then a thud again. And you're just Mm -hmm. like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. And the camera follows the action without leaving the position in the living room, uh, which is awesome.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Very, very, very cool. Uh, So Lily comes back down puts the knife in her friend's hands. I can't tell if she's having second thoughts about whether to own it herself or to truly blame it on her friend. She's kind of laying, sitting there for a while in shock, thinking about what she's doing. And then she like spreads blood all over her friend and decides to just go for it. Um,
1: But then she decides to take an F.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) I I don't know what anything from then then on in the rest of the film means. I'll be 100% honest.
0: Yeah. So how did you feel about that that outcome and what do you what do you think it means that the way it finally went down was amanda choosing not to act like choosing to knock herself out
1: so i so i think and i've already had conversations with people where we disagree on this point but i think that she doesn't choose not to act like she chooses to act like so the the non-sociopath girl decides not to do it essentially she had a plan she 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 needed a push to get over the edge to take the action she she thought of what she wanted to do and she backs out of it she says don't drink that this is what i was going to do the other girl takes that and goes like that's what you're going to do then fucking do it and then mm-hmm. drink it, it's it's not a dare so much as it is like you aren't strong enough to push yourself over that line yourself i'm going to push you there because you need this obviously she doesn't care if the stepfather dies she has no connection to her she like it's it's not quite the horse mercy killing but it's like she is helping the friend do the things she thinks the friend needs to do to fix the friend's situation but i think it's like it's not wholly on her the other friend takes the knife and stabs the stepfather but like None of that was her idea. (laughs) See,
0: like, what I I feel like it is, is this is a movie about a bad person and a person with no inhibitions. And they're separate people. Lily is the person who actually has the capacity for murder. She's the person who has that hatred and has that anger. And has these thoughts and this uh, this ability to completely double cross people, like to throw her friend under the bus, to have her friend take the blame, to ruin the life of Anton Yelchin's character. But but
1: here's the thing, though, is that the thing that so there's the scene in the middle where they're talking about still planning it. She looks at the door and she's like, "Why is my dad home after the noon? I'm doing it now," and she stops that from happening because in that moment he doesn't deserve to die. Mm -hmm. She doesn't want her in rage without forethought taking an action that she will regret exactly. she wants her to decide fully on what she wants to do plan it out yeah. and then do it the right way so it's like there is some sense of like she there she, she has an idea of when it's okay to kill and when maybe it's not inhibition okay. is wrong yeah. it, by
0: inhibition i mean a socially informed morality which <laughs> isn't the same as having a true morality where yeah, it, like yeah. she has some moral compass where she says you shouldn't do this out of rage because it'll ruin your life if you do it out of rage. Yeah. You're not going to feel justified in it. You're not going to f- feel okay with it if you do this just in the heat of the moment. It has to be deliberate. But it it's just a really interesting idea of these two people who neither on their own would kill the stepfather. But the sum of them builds the other into a place where they can do it. And that that's just interesting. Like you have a need yeah. and a will. And then you, on the other side, you have this very strange, like dry, emotionless morality where she has some compass that she's living by. It's very utilitarian and very close to Hitler as her friend described. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's just like a really interesting interplay. So for me in that final moment, when Amanda knocks herself out, what she's saying is, you be the person that you already are like let me just insist you to not be inhibited i'm going to lead by example i'm going to show you this is me opting into your plan this is the this is the kind of shitty thing you were going to do you were going to blame me for it you were going to make it so it was all my fault go for it do it that's who you are inside you be you and for the rest of her life she is this double crossing person basically she's a person who threw her friend under the bus we don't know if she and amanda have maintained a real friendship and the conversation with anton yelchin is just like a front that she's putting up at the end or if it is true that she has now just divorced herself from this reality and is living to everyone including to amanda as if amanda were the person who did the murder and she were just like a poor girl caught in the middle but i would say her friend is the Lily is the scarier of the two, because she is the person who can commit murder and still act like a normal, sociable human being <laughs> who is, like, justified and just willing to blame other people. Yeah, but I, I, it's—so
1: n- none of my statements are trying to justify the action of any characters, but I just—I see that transaction as being, like, the type of situation where, like, investigators bait a person into— uh, selling bombs to somebody right Right. where it's like that person wouldn't have done it given a normal uh, progression but because these this uh government body was trying to make arrests in this like terrorist cell or whatever Mm -hmm. they bait that person into committing an act they weren't like they they literally push them over the edge you know like there's there's an aspect to that that i see in this story it's like like the first time that she brings up like oh why don't you just kill him She's like, what? Why would you even say that? Like, that's horrible. Like, how could you possibly say that? Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, they get in, like, a legitimate fight. And she she almost doesn't want to be friends with her anymore because she mm. even suggested, like. But, of course, at that time, she doesn't know. She just knows that the, <laughs> the other girl slaughtered a horse. Mm. She doesn't know. So she's like, Shh, I'm, not, I'm just going to slaughter somebody. That's gross. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think it, it it's just interesting. I don't remember what Amanda's living situation is like. I assume everyone in this Connecticut town is pretty rich, but clearly Lily is another level. Like she's like the super 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 rich family. Yeah. yeah. Um there's there's just something interesting where it seems like part of the darkness of the movie is saying that Lily or these people don't care about anyone they just have some social thing keeping them from acting on that lack of care yeah right like they are a person who would happily screw over and murder all sorts of people to get their way (laughs) and all they need is this other person who doesn't have any feelings of vindictiveness to tell them that it's okay to be who they are which is interesting it's kind of like the episode of crashing we we watched (laughs) but like
1: so there's a weird thing too where it's like they seem to live at a level of richness where they don't have connections to other people period mm-hmm. everybody exists outside of their bubble and their only interactions with people are to like downwardly to uh have them bring them stuff or like so i don't i don't see them having their own desire to kill somebody anyways cuz they don't see other people <laughs> you know what i mean like it, there there's, there's some it's weird. It's like this only happens in their little bubble where the only person that could affect her is the one person she can't control because it's the person who's higher above her in her own mini food chain, right? Yeah. I don't know. There's there's something. It's all just very
0: uneasy. <laughs> Definitely. So should we go on to a film that is not uneasy? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, why not? Uh, We're going to take off and then we're going to go record a review of Love, Simon. So (laughs) see you guys in that review.